Welcome back to Dice and Salt. I'm Lady Toast. And I'm Lord Richter. We're here this week with episode 104, Liar's Lair. This is a, a very combat-heavy episode. We'll just get that right out of the way. <laughs> but it does have a really fun uh So are you telling me you don't like bit. it before it's even started? I didn't say I didn't like it. Well, you said it's combat-heavy. It is combat-heavy. They don't even end the episode. The episode ends in the middle of combat. Okay. But that's for later. <laughs> All right, what's the funny bit? Open us up. Funny bit? Funny bit. You said it opens up with a funny bit? Funny bit. My brain has gone completely out the window. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know where my brain went. Um, I guess we'll start at the beginning. They went through a door, and they found themselves basically in a really long hallway, <laughs> uh, which they ended up coming to a, an intersection where they could keep going or turn east. In the east room, they sent Thelias through to look. And it's basically got a giant pyramid underneath. And I'm like, oh, good. We're moving into uh, Mummy's Mask. It's true. It's true. That was that was my first thought when I was like, oh, pyramid. Oh, good. I, I was thinking when this pyramid came up, I was thinking, Dan, this is the second time in this AP where we've gone through some tunnels or entered into some, you know, dungeony stuff. I'm going to call it, we've gone into the anti-tower. <laughs> yes. And uh, we find ourselves with some kind of large room. I mean, huge, expansive room, and we find pyramids, temples, whatever. Because remember, that's the only part of Vigil that was safe when it got, you know, laser leveled by the Radiant Fire. Right. Because they were underground in a temple underground. <laughs> well, right. But I mean, that whole cavern they were in, because they were, they, you know, the temple, they could climb up the temple, they could fight on, on the bridge between it and the other temple and all that right. stuff. And let's not forget about the pool with the crocodile. Or the sewer gate or whatever it was. I just remember somebody getting bit and I loved it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you liked that part. I did like that part because they talked like about, hey, here's the bait to get past the sewer gator. And then didn't use the bait and got bit. Oh, just good. Good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. that was that was back in book three. So that's part of our, our first episode, our, our recap of the AP to date. Yep. But yeah, so it's like the second time. I'm like, what the heck? Is this is this pyramid like made out of black stone? Is that what I remember them saying, or was it just I like a regular? Think so, I, I mean, I don't think I it was obsidian. Yeah. I don't think that's what they were. What he was saying, I just thought it was black stone, maybe a yeah. basalt or something. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's just it's weird coming across these underground structures like this that are inside other underground structures. It just feels. Weird, well, that, you know. what's weird to me is that we're coming across them and they're inside a cavern. So they're, it's, you know, right. they're sitting like they were sitting when they were on the surface kind of thing. It right. wouldn't be weird to find ourselves stumbling into it, like through a, some sort of cave and then finding a way into this place and then realizing that it's actually a, you know, a pyramid or a temple or something that's sunk mm -hmm. and you know, now we're seeing, we're chasing it. I mean, Mexico City, they have that kind of thing that they've uncovered uh, right, underneath the, whole the streets. Yeah. Well, they, they just kept building on top of it because it keeps kept sinking into the lake that Mexico City is built on. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the conquistadors, the Spanish, when they had control, they were tearing things down and using the, the blocks elsewhere in the city. Right. So that's why they kind of lost track of things. So, I mean, that part, if it, if it had followed that, I'd think, oh, that's not so weird. Having the occasional nifty cavern that has some sort of, I don't know, structure inside it. Yeah, that's cool. 
but twice mm-hmm. in one AP. Now I'm like, mm, what's going on, guys? What the heck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then of course I start thinking, okay, well, according to the lore of Galarian, there's you know some there was some lizard people civilization that was you know super hyped up before the Aslanti and you, you know the Rune you Lords, this... and so then it's like, is this a remnant of that? That I somebody don't just think built so. over? Yeah, I don't think so either. The way it was described, having the statue of the skeletal being, Tarbafon, yeah, horned helmet that we find out is Tarbafon because you know he's undead, but he's still got an ego, baby. Yeah, I mean that the uh, aren't undead pretty much all ego. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like I all have they have no left. Idea. I don't know. I have no idea. No idea. But yeah, no, he likes to look at himself. Apparently, I mean, being trapped in Galaspire for like. What a thousand years? He probably didn't have a whole right, lot to the, do. So. <laughs> the question, though, is you know how what was the size of his cage? Right? I mean, that comes up a little later in the episode that this great I mean, seal trapped him in Gallaspire, but we don't know did it trap him so he couldn't go into the part that we're when we first arrive that they call the Gallo Gardens, where the I mean, I would assume so. My assumption was whatever Gallo Spire was, whatever it was above ground, it also had a basement and. As long as I guess it was connected beforehand, he could travel freely. Just basically, he was under house arrest. He just couldn't leave. So right, like, but I thought Gallowspire was actually the tower, and the town is Adarak. Right, it it's is It's around the tower. So being trapped in Gallowspire would be trapped in the tower, not in the Gallo Gardens. Right, but they're be... not in the Gallo Garden. They're well, they're, they're not the now. Basement. They're not now. But the question that came up in the episode was. You know, was he like entombed in one location in Gallowspire? Did he have the full run of Gallowspire? Was it Gallowspire and Adarak? What you know, they they don't. Oh no, I I just figured he had like full full run of the place because he's basically just on house arrest, so he could go in the tower, he could go in the basement, and I figured he just, I guess, was bored and trying to find a way out, and maybe in his boredom built a pyramid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I I have no idea. I have no idea. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he was trapped in Gallowspire, couldn't go out into the city, but he still had, like, he could move around. He wasn't, like, stuck in a single room. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, there's mention of it, and they don't talk that somehow the Great Seal kept him trapped, couldn't even planar travel. He was dimensionally anchored, I guess. Yeah. And whatnot. And, and I just was like, okay, well, you know, what? what's, what, you know, you say Gallowspire, we're in the Gallo Gardens, and you know where exactly does Gallo Spire begin and end? And you know, was he Gallo actually Spire trapped is- there, or when we say in Gallo Spire? I mean, I, I I just had some questions about that definition. That's all. Oh, because I mean, Gallo Spire is just the building. I thought not the city. That's kind of what I thought too. But then the way that it appears, the AP talks about it based on the way Alex has NPCs refer to it. Kind of my take on how he's, when he's talking about it, maybe doesn't just refer to the tower itself. I don't know. I don't oh, I didn't know. get, I never got that. I kind of got that because, I mean, the whole Adarak got mentioned like once and then dropped. And then right. the, you know, the Gallo Gardens and stuff like that it seems like, okay, well, is that all part of Gallowspire? I mean. I, I wouldn't think so. Well. I just I was just doing yeah. wondering because you know you you do have instances of towers that happen to have say land around them that are all considered part of the tower. Hmm. I guess so. Well, I you're I know you like Lord of the Rings, so there's the <laughs> I believe the White Tower that Saruman is in. Right. 
that but is depicted like, as having lands and you know around the tower itself that are all part of the white tower but he was and trapped it, in the tower and he couldn't go out into those lands he was literally stuck in the tower well, I, <laughs> I think so i hope so i don't know i'm, I'm just pretty saying sure, i'm pretty sure know? when they trapped him there he was stuck in the tower and couldn't actually leave because he he basically yells at them from his balcony right I guess was that was he was doing to the the knights he, of Vosum that were checking on him. He was able to oh, cast. Oh, oh, I was talking about Saruman. <laughs> oh, 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 well, yeah, Saruman, yeah. But I mean, my point yeah. is, when they take the White Tower and you, you, what is called the White Tower is not just the tower itself. No, it's that's the Isengard. tower in the surrounding space. So that's why I'm saying with Galluspire. But that's not what that's not what it is. The White Tower is in Isengard. The White Tower is its own thing inside Isengard, which is kind of this thing. It's Galluspire inside Adarak. Okay. Because, <laughs> man, what I saw depicted in the descriptions I read, yes, it has that name Isengard, but to me it was kind of like a city when some cities have multiple names, like Sacramento or the I City of Trees or, you know, the City of Lights and Paris. It's two names for the same thing. That's all I'm saying. That's how mm. I caught that one. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that's because it just didn't look like, you know, a city and then with a tower rising out of the city kind of thing as a separate entity. Right. But anyway, <laughs> now that we've I'm talked just saying, about you <laughs> air dungeons enough. Yeah. Okay. They go into the pyramid. Well, Teobald tries to object read the pyramid. And actually, that makes that reminds me, I wanted to look something up. Oh, no, you're looking something up. Object reading. I don't know if it was the, if I would, that I necessarily agree with Alex not doing the reading. Mm -hmm. I think thematically it would have been more fun to produce a little more background information right there and kind of inject it. Teoblith can do, you know, can kind of read some stuff, but doesn't have to necessarily give him a ton of information. I guess it does, it comes down to Alex's interpretation of the word object. Because it says you read the psychic impressions left upon an object, and so I guess is a building an object, it, uh, or would you, or would you get, or would you get the the psychic impressions of the particular brick that you're touching? Uh, yeah. <laughs> see, I guess the way I would I would have done that is I wouldn't necessarily consider the building an object per se, but I right. wouldn't discount it. I might think of it as like a a hive mind in this purpose because it's made up of a bunch of little objects that right. are still little objects. Yeah, that's what I probably would have or, done. I'm sorry, individual would've... objects. I, not Size isn't really important exactly. Yeah. But that's how I'd see it. And so, you know, he touches it to get a read and I'd maybe get, I'd give him a read on it because these objects are connected and, you know, any yeah, psychic it's... impressions would be flowing through everything. That's uh, again, what I probably would have done. I would have gone with background information that the party might not have had that might be in the AP. Yeah, that's you know, what so I use some it additional for. story stuff and would have slipped it in that way. Yeah. Wouldn't necessarily give them anything mechanically relevant. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, useful. Yeah, but I mean, information is you know nearly always useful. Right, but not useful to the hey, there's <laughs> two wraiths inside. Oh yeah, that's true. I guess you know that kind of stuff. Or hey, the treasure is in this antechamber or something. I, I, it would have been things like about Tarbafon or maybe some impressions. I mean, would have been an awesome spot for a flashback. Yeah, just watching Tarbafon chip away at a 
bunch of yeah, black whatever rocks. Yeah, whatever it is, whatever <laughs> it is, you know, you could do some, you could do some neat stuff. I get but, it. Yeah. Alex was, you know, he was tapped and tired and said, no, not this time. Yeah. I can't terrorize <laughs> the audience with this. So no. Yeah. Well, they, they do end up going into the entrance and they do end up finding, uh, like you said, two wraiths, two dread wraiths, which is even oh, worse. Oh yeah. Sorry. I forgot the dread. <laughs> yeah. The dread is bad because it's 1d8 conjuring. Yeah, it's it's real bad. I think not just but, the standard one d six, right? <laughs> right, but it, it's they don't start a fight immediately. They they do a bit. They do the uh, one of us lies and one of us tells the truth bit. Oh but, yeah, yep, <laughs> labyrinth. Here we go again. Yeah, but instead of like answering the questions, they kind of just do gibberish or vaguely cryptic answers for anything they're asked because they're not actually they're, they're not, not actually, actually compelled to lie. Yeah, they're, not they're just doing the bit. They're just trying to convince the stupid adventurers to do something dumb, so like, that they can, you know, get a sneak attack on them. Yep, they basically wanted them to to pick one of them to look at and look away from the other one, so that it could start combat by sneak attack with a a really good chance of hitting, even though they already hit against touch AC. But I, I'm going to toss something out that's completely not related to the podcast on this one. This seems to me like a, a serious weakness on uh, the part of the AP. What do you because, mean? Because, well, in every other instance that I can think of, you get you don't really have a facing. You see in 360 degrees. Right. You can avert your eyes for some gaze, gaze monster, stuff like that. But you can never get yourself in a situation where you can accidentally give away your... I mean, yes, you're flanked in the scenario they have, but there was also some penalties because you're not looking. It's like you're, you know, like they're blind not blind. What is it? Like you're, you know, they're invisible, attacking you invisibly. You don't know they're there or something. Right. But I mean, when Alex I've... did the read through of what it was and I just thought, God, that's just, I mean, I love the dirty trick. Don't get me wrong. I love the dirty trick. We think it's this fancy thing. Tom jumps on it our genius is so excited to solve the riddle and then it just sort of falls apart on him and he's just not understanding why yeah but the uh, from the writing it perspective i was like man this is just kind of reduce introducing a mechanic that doesn't exist anywhere and isn't based off of any of the other you know any of other any of the other stuff we have that we could reference you know averting I mean, your gaze or whatever i mean they literally say to to look away from the other one i would assume that was just averting your gaze completely i mean i get well, averting right, your gaze averting is like my a, gaze uh, and turning my back to someone so that they get a free you know right but on you know and i'm i'm caught unawares and so i can be touched easily because i don't get all my defenses you know that's a big difference mechanically right um yeah i don't i don't really have a, a thing for this i i it feels like it should just be like averting your gaze, but even averting your gaze is really not true concealment, right? It's the only well, way I to think get it provides full any concealment. concealment. Like when you avert your gaze, I think you just take a, minor, a small penalty. I know the creature you're fighting doesn't get. I think it gets uh, concealment. concealment from you. I mean, you don't roll a mischance. I don't think, right? I think you do. Yeah, right. But it, wait a minute. If that it, it still wouldn't matter because if it gives him concealment, great. But it doesn't then render you defenseless against him, like you know you're you're flat-footed and you don't get to use your you know you're considered surprised when the attack comes and you don't get your decks and all this other stuff. 
Right. Okay, so averting your eyes is the, I guess, official name for it. Uh, the opponent avoids looking at the creature's face, instead looking at its body, watching its shadow, blah, blah, blah. Each round, the opponent has a 50% chance to avoid making a saving throw. The creature with the gaze attack, however, gains concealment against that opponent. Oh, okay. The only way to completely give it total concealment would be to wear a blindfold, which would make you totally blind. So I guess technically with that rules, even turning your back is only just averting your eyes and not gaining total concealment. Yeah, so that so, so some of that didn't make 100% sense to me, I guess. Yeah, and no, I thought I, that was... You're, you're, you're right. It, it, they're treating it as being blindfolded, but, you know, n- not making them put, you know, cover their eyes or something. Yeah, it, it, it was a little, it was a little, uh, little weird, I guess. It, well, it was a little weird. Yeah. Because the way Alex described it, they were going to get to make a touch attack. One of them was going to get to make a touch attack and basically have almost no chance to miss. Like right. roll a natural one. And that's the only way that thing is missing you. Well, I mean, they, they basically, they got, yeah, because it was their flat-footed AC minus two, which is low. <laughs> They're touching, right? flat-footed I mean, that touch was, AC minus two. Yeah, I mean, that was, you take, That's like, what, yeah. eight, <laughs> usually? Uh, yeah, something like that. So, it depends. Yeah. I have to, I'd have to look to see what it is, because you lose some things, and then some things magically you can keep, uh, so. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was it was it was definitely a little odd the way they did it mechanically, but um, it didn't really matter. They the guys were a little too wary for that. Was it wary, or they just didn't get it? Both. <laughs> I mean, I I think it was they just didn't get what they were supposed to do, and so it wasn't about being wary. It was just we don't know what we're supposed to do, and it just finally drug on long enough. The razor, like, oh crap, you know, we're either going to have to attack them now, or there's not going to be any surprise. Right. I think I think. That might have come from them giving kind of bullshit answers, the the vaguely cryptic ones, because like all that kind of did was confuse Tom, who was trying to do the who couldn't make a choice then because he couldn't figure out who he thought was lying or telling the truth. Right. So that that didn't really play to the wraiths' kind of advantages that they were wanting anyway, because it's like, well, you're not saying anything that I can confirm one way or the other, so. I'm not going to walk away from one of you if I can't decide which one it is. Even if they thought they were telling the truth, like that just, it kind of defeated their whole bit. It did. It did. It would have been, it it might have been more effective if they'd been a little less cryptic. Yeah. And actually gave answers. Well, gave answers that could be interpreted as answers instead of just so cryptic. You're like, what the hell is that? I mean, something you could easily jump to a conclusion that it what you were given an answer. Yeah, and then it could have prompted them to actually turn and then we could have dealt with the actual mechanics of this, but I, I think they the the rates kind of shot themselves in the foot on that one. <laughs> yeah, it did it did seem like it was I I mean, I don't know. I it, it's one of those things I guess diff, other parties uh probably uh picked it up faster, I don't know. I it always seems like whenever I do an AP with my group we don't seem to catch up on some of these things. And other groups are like, oh, yeah, it was super easy. It's just this, this, and this. And it's like, what the hell? Yeah. What do you mean? What the hell? So. But regardless, I guess they, they end up attacking and we end up getting into a fight. Um, I think the I, only person that actually loses con in this fight is Kishikish. Yeah. Because everyone else keeps making their, their saves. Because it's not an instant 
uh, con drain, it's a fort save to resist it. Right. So I ha- I'm going to say something here. Okay. I keep seeing Keisha Keish as the the racing snail rider from the Neverending Story. I know it's that's been... not correct because he's supposed to have the snail shell on his back, but mm-hmm. I keep seeing him as that guy in my head, and I keep imagining he's much quicker than the way Alex depicts him. And uh, mm. what? Oh, it, it's just been so long since I've seen that movie. I had to go look him up. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know yeah, why that I popped. I mean, it just keeps popping in. I know it's not the right description because he's got to have, you know, he's got the snail shell on his back and this is a snail and a guy and all that. But I just mm-hmm. keep what putting is that Kish together. Kish? What is he? He's a psychopomp. Yes. I have what, no idea no what idea. kind of psychopomp. And even what if we knew what kind he was, he's still a unique member of that. So that could, you know, radically change all kinds of things. But I don't know any of that other than he's a psychopomp. Yeah, I can't find anything. I guess just using his name. Yeah, I don't know how to spell it, so I keep using my uh, my phonetic. Matt gave me the right uh, spelling one time, but it didn't look anything like what I like. What I said, what I use phonetically. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't know what he is. I don't know. I don't have a description for him or a, a name for him to, to to look. Yeah. I all I all I know is that he uh, Alex said he's a psychopomp. Yeah. Which we didn't know before. We just knew him as the innkeeper at uh, Nine Eves. Didn't we know he was a psychopomp? Aren't they all psychopomps? I have no idea. I guess so. Well, the, I, I, even the tooth one? I thought yeah, those were well, tooth fairies. Yeah. Oh, that's true, I guess. I don't know. Now I'm just confused. This is a very confusing episode. <laughs> and with so much combat. Yeah. But uh, they, they go a couple rounds with these dread wraiths. Kishiki's are really the only one to, to take any kind of con damage. Yeah. The guys uh, are Tom hitting makes it. a comment. Mm-hmm. That, well, they should have left him in the fire. It would have been safer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Other than I forget who it was that says, "Well, but that might have made him an undead." We don't, you know, we don't know. And it's like, well, yeah, you do. Keisha Keish told you if he'd stayed <laughs> in that fire oven, he'd have come out as an undead psychopomp. Yeah. So they just they go a couple rounds, and then I think they all end up running out of the pyramid at one point. Well, I think they I, flushed I think out of the pyramid what? pretty quick. I don't think it was yeah. too many rounds, but yeah, they're they're all out. The wraiths are going back and forth through the pyramid walls. And then this... And, uh, uh, <laughs> and our I, genus gets the bright idea that he's going to fireball the center because a fireball will take up all that space in there. Yep. And these things are large size, so they can't hide from his fireball. Yeah. So, bam, he fireballs it. And then, you know, bong. The worst like thing he could have done. Off. <laughs> and then, I, f- I don't even know what the thing's called. It was just described as a giant skeleton that's full of bones. And so it's like leaking bones out of its joints and out of its yeah. abdomen. And what I'm, they're smaller creatures, the bones that are in there based uh, other than the skeleton. Cause it's the skeletons like a giant. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that kind of comes out and it grabs our genus and. Oh, I mean, it reaches we, out. Yeah. It's, it's inside the pyramid and can't get out, but it's throws its arm out and grabs, grabs our, our genus. genus. Yeah. Yeah. God. Which, Teobleth ends up saving him by giving him freedom of movement, which is good because then we almost immediately after that learn that it has swallow whole. <laughs> yeah. Because that yeah. would have been bad. I mean, how do you think all those bones got into it in the first place? Uh, that's fair. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. And then Uhtred goes slash tastical. Well, that's just what he does. It's what he does. <laughs> and pulls a crit card. Yeah. In your face. A very special crit card. 
Yes, by by none other than than Leia Richter. Mm-hmm. And then Alex tries to take it away. Oh, it's my fault. I let it go this far. You don't have ghost <laughs> touch. You can't do that. And yeah. Nick just goes, I don't think so. I think my sun striker handles it. And then Alex kind of reads it, and you can hear him. <laughs> the yeah, long, the more he depressed. reads, it's like, uh, got, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was, was taking fun. this crit away from you, and you've stopped me. Yep. He was so happy. He was like, oh, oh, no crit for you. And, <laughs> yep. and Nick's Sorry, like, yes. I shouldn't have let it go this long. He was all cocky when he said it, too. Like, <laughs> oops, my bad. I did it again. Busting out the Britney Spears for that. And oh, so, so sad. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so, yeah, he does get his crit in. Still doesn't kill the damn thing. I know. That's fucking things. Yeah. I mean, even taking full damage, this thing isn't. This thing is ridiculously hard to kill um they do take one down i forget who does it our genus uh elksy was hammering him yeah but elksy didn't quite kill it but yeah i don't think it got close she did like a 50 point crit to it which no she did that to the the bone thing oh right right and she almost it was with what a called shot to the hand and she almost got the crit on it and i actually thought that had uh freed our genus but apparently i, I misunderstood yeah. So yeah, I, and the episode kind of ends there with everyone needing to make a a fortitude save or a reflex save against this thing's like hunger aura, starvation, starvation aura. Yeah, and aura, they kind of leave yeah. that up till next week. So that's it's a cliffhanger ending, and it's kind of like oh okay, I guess we'll we'll get and to it next week. And it's a Nikki battle. Yeah, it's a Nikki battle. So it's it's there. I mean, Tiblis goes, hey, what about my uh, ring of sustenance? And it yeah. sound I'm not sure how it sounds because it you know it says it's magical starvation and I'm like yeah well it's magical anti-starvation so I you know yeah I don't know how that's gonna play I don't know out, so. I don't know how he's going to uh, adjudicate that I guess we can find out next week next week yep did you have anything else for this one because like I said I was a little you know the I like the opening bits with the pyramid and the wraiths and their little uh who can you trust bit that they were just trying to lure them into a trap. But after it got started into combat, it was a little confusing even for me to follow. And I was listening to this, you know, normally. Yeah. It, well, the big thing is they were jumping in and out of the walls. Yeah. And, that, and I, you know, I, it's like, aha, I hit you and I bail. So then the party's trying to, you know, ready actions or whatnot. So that when the thing comes out, I can hit on it. Yeah. And I think the, the, the order, the initiative order gets like completely screwed up because I think at one point Alex skips like three people. Yeah, he did. He did. So like it's just they had a, it got it got a little. Yeah, it was just overall a very confusing combat, and I had a I had a kind of a hard time following it. Yeah, I think uh, I think because the Alex knew where the wraiths were, that's why he wasn't giving you know he was moving past people because there was no action there. Yeah, uh, you know that would be my guess because he's you know focused on that. Although you know. They still need to decide what they're doing for that turn, that round. So, Yeah, so it, it's just confusing. But uh, we'll see how it ends up next week. they still got the little bone thing to fight and I think one more Wraith to take down. Yes. So uh, Yes, they do. I guess they just keep getting bones in this one. I mean, it's undead. It's kind of expected. I know. I wonder if they, when they walk out, they're going to have that sensation that they've just been boned. <laughs> or when they walk out, are they going to like shake their clothes you know, thrash their backpacks and bones are going to fall out and they're going to be like, thank God we're deboned now. 
I guess. <laughs> hey, I'm just giving you a couple puns. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right. But uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. You can find us and the players on the Inspired Incompetence Discord. Links can be found at inspiredincompetence.com. I'm Lady Toast. And I'm Lord Richter. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. paused here for the moment but i have to figure out what the hell he is it's gonna bother me because i want to know what he yeah. actually looks like yeah everyone's calling mentioning nine eaves but nobody says the dude's name or what he is Ugh. all right well i can't find it i'll end up cutting all of this out